0: Hi everyone, this is Todd Fields. Welcome to episode 39 of the Worship Circle Podcast. We love the fact that you take time to listen to what God's doing through this ministry and we're glad you've jumped in today. If this is your first time listening, there's a bunch of great episodes behind you can catch up on. Bottom line is we believe that you're loved and not alone, that God's presence is with you always. And that there's a liar and a thief out there, and we are on the rampage of bringing redemption through the power of Jesus, His Spirit in us, and the love of the Father to worship leaders and worship teams everywhere. And you may not be on a platform in a worship team, or you may not be a worship leader behind a microphone, but your life is one of worship by what you prize and who you prize. We prize Jesus. He's conquered the grave. He's redeemed and forgiven us of sin. He's given us grace and mercy, and we can't shut up about it. We, just to remind you, are sold out for this current term. All the groups are full. Our next term starts in April 2020. This current one runs for six months, and we've got a lot of great content and small group stuff happening right now. And if you'd like to apply to be considered to be in the next term, you need you need to do it now. I'll get a jump on things and uh, get in the queue. Your application is not a commitment. It's just a chance for us to get to know you, to see what you do. You get to submit a video. We watch you sing or play whatever you do to God's glory. Go to worshipcircle.com forward slash program to do that. And if for some reason you think, I could never afford that, I can't do it. Todd, you are you don't know what you're talking about. I got this message from a current Worship Circle member, I wanted to read it to you really quick, just to encourage you. Hey man, I know you probably hear it all the time, but I need you to hear it from me also. Thank you. If it was not for you calling me out a few weeks ago, I would not have even thought it was possible for me to afford and attend Worship Circle. The opening main session with you yesterday was already jam-packed with encouragement. And then the small group with Paul took it to a deeper level. A month ago, I thought I was done with ministry. I told my wife, I think our time is up. But after yesterday, I see that I'm not done yet. I don't say this for attention, but with a sincere heart of gratitude. Thank you for your obedience and sincere heart for all the worship leaders around the world. Last year, I thought "Love and not alone was a cute little slogan. But that very same line has now brought tears to my eyes so many times. Again, thank you, my brother. And I read that just as a point for those of you out there that think, you know, I can't do a worship circle. There's no way for it to happen. We can show you how. All you need to do is apply and we'll come alongside you and show you ways, creative ways that people can help you. Make it a reality and you can experience what God's doing with this family that's growing around the world. Our rest retreat, January 28th through 30 is almost full, but we've opened up some last minute spots to get one of those. You need to go now because they're going to sell out soon. Worshipcircle.com forward slash rest. You want to check that out, sign up. We do make it possible for you to bring your spouse. We highly encourage that because many retreats do not uh, bring the spouse and the person who comes has a great time and God meets them and does incredible things. And then they come back home and they haven't experienced it as a couple, but we're for marriages, especially people who serve in ministry. So don't forget to do that, worshipcircle.com forward slash rest. And now it's time for me to introduce our guest, Mr. John Ennis. I knew John years ago back in the late 80s, early 90s. I played guitar when we were starting, actually before North Point started. It was First Baptist North, and we met in a warehouse, and John was keyboard player, band director for us, and just so proficient on the piano, wrote charts for us. I learned so much under his tutelage. But soon after I jumped into that band, I ended up jumping on board with the Billy Graham team and did some crusades with Associate Ralph Bell, who was an associate of Billy. And then after a couple years, we were invited to the platform to join Billy's crusades, um, some of his final years in ministry. But I love John. He's always been one of the most positive um, people I know. And he's just been a faithful servant for over 40 years on the keyboard um, alongside the ministry of Billy Graham. He actually played piano at Billy's funeral and uh, did all the prelude music for that and has just seen so many things with Bev Shea, Cliff Barrows, both of who are now uh, face-to-face with Jesus. But we love John, and I just wanted you to hear some real encouraging things and some history of what God has done through the ages with music, what the Crusades the Graham team did, and for you to have access to John's heart for Jesus and his love for all that he's done on this earth in his lifetime just to be able to share that with you. So here is my longtime friend that I hadn't talked to in quite a while, but it was so good to catch up with Mr. John Ennis. Well, hey, everybody, I am fortunate enough after many years to reconnect with a friend of mine. We spent quite a few years together, John, in the Billy Graham Association doing crusades for Billy, and it's great to have you on today.
1: (laughs) Well, thanks very much, Todd. I appreciate your asking.
0: You were a part of my musical journey uh, back in the first, let's see, First Baptist North days, I remember. That's right, (laughs) I was, yeah. Yeah, met yeah,
1: we, we worked together there.
0: Yeah, yeah, many Sundays, um, you know, in that warehouse building, which le- the church later became North Point that Andy took off with. But, um, those were some really fun days. I actually met my wife Carrie one of the days you were playing keyboard, so I have that to remember. How about that? Oh, oh,
1: that's good. Okay, all
0: right. <laughs> but, uh, everyone, we, uh, as I said probably in the previous introduction, that this John and I had the good fortune of playing music together with the Billy Graham team. He started many years before me, but I thought it would be just great to have you on uh, today, John, just to hear more about your background and what it was like to be in a consistent role like that for so many people, Um, different artists, Bev Shea, just the whole Graham team and all God did through you guys is tremendous.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So how
0: did, uh, what was your musical journey like, John, Um, in, First of all, I know you're from England, so give everybody a little bit of a backdrop, maybe. Um, yeah,
1: I I, uh, I I did grow up in England, and uh, I came to the U.S. actually <laughs> back when the dinosaurs were roaming the earth in 1958. Okay, <laughs> um, when uh, when I went to go to school at Moody Bible Institute, and I I had studied piano, uh, you know, at home in England uh, privately uh, mm. and all that. But I wanted to uh, get an actual degree and I'll sort of go on that way. And so I came to Moody in, in 1958 and, uh, as a piano major and uh, sort of really got more serious about it than really studying. And then uh, went on from there, actually, to Wheaton College, which is where I did get my bachelor's right. degree and later to later Northwestern University for a master's. But um, during those years, uh, what really uh, kind of really uh, got me going well was that In those days, the radio station at Moody Bible Listener, WMBI, had a lot of um, music production things that they did in the studios there. And I first kind of started playing for some of that um, during that time. And it was during that time, while I was actually at Wheaton College later, still doing some stuff at Moody, that uh, I, I met Cliff and the members of the team because I was subbing. Um, for Don Hustad for a little recording session that they were doing for some broadcast in connection with the Chicago Crusade in 1962 when I was a junior at Wheaton. And that's how I first met the team members, actually, and it uh, wow. sort of grew from there.
0: What? So what year would that have been?
1: That, that was 1962. Yeah, 62. I was a junior at Wheaton College, yeah. yeah.
0: So, so back up, you're back in England. Just music for you growing up, what was... What were you listening to? What was influencing you to even he- kind of head in this direction?
1: Well, I think, honestly, uh, quite a bit of the music from the Billy Graham team. Uh, because when I was about 16, I think, uh, they came over to England and they had meetings in London at Haringey Arena. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I did not attend those meetings, but they had relays, uh, just audio only, not no visual, visual stuff mm-hmm. in those days. Um, no video, But they, but they had audio. They went to so many different cities, and one of them was mine. And and I used to go to an auditorium there, and we'd hear the meetings uh, and the music and everything, and all that was going on. And then Billy would preach, and then they'd give an invitation. Best of people would go forward in right there in our auditoriums <laughs> wow. that were you know long, long way from where
0: the things
1: was going on. It's really great. So that's that was a very early influence, uh, listening to Cliff and the Choirs and mm. Rev Shea and uh, Ted Smith and Paul Mickelson, who were the keyboard players at that time. And uh, so that was a that was a big influence uh, in those days. And um, uh, you know, of course, you, you listen to a lot of other music, uh, but that that was back when uh, rock and roll was just getting started. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was it was really a lot of pop music and, and all that kind of thing, you know. So all those influences, uh, when you're, you're just a teenager, definitely you know influenced my musical thinking and everything.
0: How crazy is it that technology back then, through radio, you know, yeah. reached you where you were? It was you know Billy was doing yeah. multi-site before there was multi-site. It was yeah, you know, it was definitely yeah. audio That's... version, but it reached a lot of yeah. people.
1: And when you think about it now, this would seem almost impossible that you'd go into an auditorium and just sit in front of a bunch of speakers. Yes. You know, no, there's nothing visual to see, nothing to see, just speakers. You know, and uh, but but in those days, it was enough of a, a new thing to have a, something like that going on. That I mean, thousands of people attended wow. the uh, the audio meetings in all over the country. You know, it was really kind of an, a, an amazing thing. So yeah.
0: Unbelievable. Yeah. So so, uh, we were talking before we hit record, um, John, that I interviewed Cliff. Yeah. uh, About seven years ago, and he was mentioning the song Great is Thy Faithfulness. Oh, yeah. And Chisholm, who he got to meet with Bev, who wrote the hymn. And I'm trying to remember, was it not in the 50s in England where they first sang that?
1: Yeah, well, they had never heard it before. Okay. Um, that, That was a new song to them. Okay. Although... Obviously, it was well known here, but but it was a new song over there, and uh, they were introduced to it, and it really
0: took off. Wow! You know? This yeah, <laughs> it's just crazy that the I mean, we're we're gonna get to more stories here in a minute, but the things you got it, to be a part of that were you know and, and hear about firsthand. Sure, uh, absolutely days. amazing days. So, uh, John, what what age did you really decide to follow Christ? Was it a a, a I was actually, transformation what to I was, you?
1: i was um it was about a year before the Billy Graham Crusade came into came to London, okay. so that had been nineteen fifty three so I was fifteen going on sixteen wow. and uh I had been attending uh, this this street i lived on actually <laughs> uh, at the other end of that street was a house where there was a, um, a boy who was about just a little over my age, and we used to uh, bike together and whatnot, and he was the son of a local pastor. Mm. And uh, he had invited me to come to church to go to Sunday school with him, actually. And uh, though I'd kind of resisted at first, eventually I started going and I got into that church. And actually, <laughs> believe it or not, even when I was like 12 years old, I was playing the piano. For some of the services, no way. <laughs> uh, yeah, so but I wasn't actually—I had not yet committed my life to Christ at that time. That was before it happened. But I did—I was already playing, right? And so, that, so during that time, obviously, I heard the gospel preached a great deal. And uh, and finally, as I say, when I was about fifteen, going on sixteen, is when I committed my life to Christ, and and uh, it was a very you know it was it was a, one of those quite wonderful moments a great piece that mm-hmm. came in my life and all that obviously i grew a lot since then there's a lot of things i did not fully understand then that i understand now right. but nonetheless that was the beginning that, that was, was the it kind of started yeah i
0: yeah. remember you were um were you greatly influenced by bach or was he I, I know you used to play a lot of his pieces
1: well i it was certainly one of the composers that I studied a lot, lot, you know, and 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 have played a lot, sure. Okay. So yeah, he was one of the many great composers, obviously, that, that were an influence on in my life, as well as Beethoven and Brahms and Tchaikovsky
0: uh, and yeah. everything else. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, you're well versed in you studied well because i just remember i'll never forget john you would hand charts to me and you know i just really started playing guitar in like ninth or tenth grade but i had to go buy a chord book (laughs) because i was like (laughs) what is a flat something you know i would i would try to figure it all out so you helped educate me and i'll I'll just never forget all those you know sundays after sundays from all the studying you had done and just knowing so much about written music and
1: you know how to transcribe
0: that whole thing
1: I was always a, a harmony freak, you know. I yeah. was like different different chords, and and uh, and I, that, so I was kind of used to that. And I, I, it was funny. Both you and uh, actually um, uh, a couple of the other guitarists who played John Evans sometimes yeah. played, you know, for me. And he said, "I'm having to learn these chords." Yeah. <laughs> we used to laugh about it, but but that's, I do I do remember doing that for the for the band.
0: Yeah, yeah, you yeah you passed it on. So we didn't go to college for it, but we learned a lot from you. Oh my goodness. So when the when when Cliff and Bev came to um Moody. Yeah. That was was that the time that you jumped on the team they invited you to be a part sixty two? Well say?
1: It was a little a little bit after that I i had done this little bit of subbing, you know, so i like say for Don for for this little right. recording they were doing. And then when I graduated from Wheaton, that's when they asked me to come and at at first I played um pretty exclusively for the associate evangelists. I prayed for, played for Leighton Ford and John Wesley White right. and Ralph Bell and some of the others, you know, like that. And so that was my initial work for them. And then in 1967, um, Don Hustad, who had been playing the organ for the meetings, mm-hmm. uh, left to become professor at, at uh, Southern Seminary, and that's when I first, I really started in the Billy Graham crusades uh, in, wow. in 1967, and my first crusade, funnily enough, was Tokyo, Japan.
0: Wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, very first crusade for me, so that was quite an experience in itself.
0: Wow, so you were on the road quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. I was.
0: Wow. That's so crazy. That's awesome. Well, yeah. um, I know there's, there's so many that you've done, uh, as far as crusades and so many memories. I, w- I want us to just to try to remember a few together, but what were some of the most memorable, you know, cities and, and things that you saw? I think
1: of- again, very often the ones that made the most impression on me were the overseas meetings right. because, uh, it was such a you know it's, it's a whole different cultural situation, of course, mm-hmm. obviously, and and Billy's speaking through an interpreter and all of that. But I was just amazed at how people responded in you know far off places. Tokyo, obviously, was one of them. But also, I remember vividly when we were in Moscow, that um, we had the meetings in the Olympic oh, Stadium wow. there. What year would that? And have been? Um, and that was the first time Billy had been allowed to preach. Oh, wow. In 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 a stadium. He had been to Russia before, yeah. but they only let him preach in churches. Okay. So, you know, there was not that many people could get in. I mean, the people, people jam in there, but of course he couldn't do, you know, like a citywide thing or whatever. Yeah. So then finally, uh, when the Soviet Union began to dissipate and, and it began to become different, um, they let him come to the stadium, the Living Stadium. Mm-hmm. And that's when, that's when. So people from Moscow, from all over, could come. It seated about, I don't know, about thirty thousand or something like that. And there were people even then outside who listened to the speakers because they couldn't wow. get in. But what I remember vividly about that was in one night, the uh, Red Army chorus uh, came and sang for us. Did oh, a wow. special, and they they sang in English. Actually, the Battle Hymn of the Republic. And <laughs> wow. It was kind of wild. And because they were all in uniform and everything. And um, so I thought, boy, this is really something they had learned that piece and learned it in English mm. yet. And then when the invitation was given, I just really, it just moved me to see yeah. a lot of those guys who had been in that chorus come forward. Oh, because wow. because they were all, all in their uniforms, <laughs> I could see who they were. And uh, I thought, wow, that is really something they came here tonight to sing for the meeting. And then gave their hearts to Christ, you know, in the yeah, same meeting. So that that was one of those very outstanding moments for me. I, I just thought, wow, you know, this is a, just an incredible thing. So you, a lot of those overseas meetings were good. I mean, I, I think a lot, because the meetings tend to sort of <laughs> all blend together after yeah. a while because you've been to so many different places, but um, there, I remember that, I remember being in Argentina in Buenos Aires, we had oh, wow. really again, another outstanding meeting there. And, uh, you know, there were just a lot of experiences like that where, and again, you never, ne- I never got used to the, to the invitation and what would happen, you know, because it was always a very unique moment in the service mm-hmm. and, uh, to see people respond the way they did was to me, I, as I say, I never got used to that. I just thought this is incredible. It's really wonderful.
0: Well, two thoughts: one, when you were talking about when you jumped on the team and you're playing piano late sixties and mm-hmm. some of those crusades, I remember watching in my grandparents' house so many of those crusades and oh, how about he- that? hearing you play piano, I had no idea that later in my life we would actually serve together and know each other, but that's just a cr- yeah, how a cr-
1: about that? Well, no, that's
0: great crazy, crazy thing, but yeah, um, yeah, just the other thing I remember. Is the goal well, a couple of things One, I remember being with you and I think uh Tampa Bay? Oh, it, yeah, yeah, right. it was a big one, one of Billy's last few years, and yeah, I had not, I think it's the first one that our band Ecclesia, had been a part of with Tom Bledsoe and the team, and yeah, you I mean, you 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 heard this all the time, but when you hear how many ever thousand people singing behind you. <laughs> It was in the right. choir. I was literally—it's—it's it's transcendent. It's just beyond this this world. Oh yeah, to hear yeah. that those, many voices together.
1: Yeah, th- those are such great experiences. And many times in the choirs, for example, they used to have anywhere from you know five thousand to seven yeah. or eight thousand people just just in the choir. Yeah. <laughs> so and those were wonderful, again great experiences to, to do all that and to hear so many people, and when the whole stadium would sing, you know, How Great Thou Art or whatever, um, it was always very moving. I always thought it was just incredible to have that kind of, all these people singing, you know, praise the Lord like that.
0: Cliff told a story about um, the song Just As I Am. Mm -hmm. And he said that there was, I think it was in England, you may be able to shed some light on this, but where people were basically saying, hey, that's manipulative because it's so... It's such an emotional melody, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: you guys always play that, and so I don't know if Billy or somebody on the team made the decision to not do it for the crusade right. and then, yeah, yeah that was yeah,
1: yeah, that was that was in England in nineteen sixty six and at olds court, and uh Billy had heard this criticism, especially yeah. came from the british press okay. uh, <laughs> uh oh. People are, you know, moved by the emotion of the song and all that stuff. That's why they go forward. And so it was Billy himself who decided, let's not use it. Mm-hmm. We won't do anything. And there wasn't no, in, in that meeting. There was no music at the time of the invitation. Oh wow! He was just he just he gave the invitation, and then he just paused and maybe bow in prayer, you know, and just wait for something to happen. And it was again. Yeah, obviously it had nothing to do with the song Everybody, The people came forward just the same It was the same response to the message So it was really very powerful
0: Oh wow, that's, that's a great story Yeah So I know just from the time I was with you guys um, The short time There was quite a few artists that came along You know, either to tell a testimony Or sing as part of the program yeah. But Oh yeah just some, yeah. Who, who are some of the people that you remember Just through the years that were Part of the well, platform with you guys yeah,
1: we, we had, you know, Lauren L. Harris came quite a few times mm-hmm. and, and he and Sandy Patty came together actually a couple of times and Steve Green came. Yeah. And, uh, uh, we uh, I'm trying to think of who else. There were a whole bunch of folks, you know, that came. Of course, Billy, one of Billy's favorites, was Johnny Cash. Yeah, <laughs> <A> <laughs> and so Johnny Cash used to come. Johnny Cash would come sometimes, uh, he and his wife, you know, and they would sing and they'd, they'd do some stuff at the meetings. So that was great. And uh, when we were in England, uh, and, and at some of the meetings that uh, Cliff Richard uh, sang and uh, wow. played first there, and so. Yeah so there were quite a number of artists like that that uh, came to the meetings and and it was a uh, you know great to meet all the great yeah. people at
0: uh, did, yeah. you, did you ever have to accompany Johnny, or did he have his own band?
1: I did not accompany Johnny. Okay. He, he had his own band came with him. Gotcha. Uh, the only one I ever played for for enough was Cliff Richard. But, yeah. but uh, the others, no. And most of them, a lot of them used tracks and all sort of thing. You know, Sandy Patty used to use tracks and, and all that. In fact, it was kind of funny. Sandy Patty and Lionel Harris came to one of the meetings. I think we were in Edmonton in Canada. Mm-hmm. And it was a time when most of the tracks still were on tape.
0: Yeah, Um, cassette.
1: And, yeah, well, this was just, you know, uh, regular tape, and and, uh, two-inch tape or whatever. Oh, wow. And and Bill Faising, our friend, you know, was doing sound. And he was in the audience. The the audio booth was kind of in the the audience, and um, somebody walked by as they were singing um and and bumped the tape recorder oh, no. that was playing the tape and it stopped <laughs> and they sang the rest of the song a cappella oh, they, wow. they just improvised it on the spot i always thought it was just incredible what they did because it was one of those moments when all of a sudden the sound just disappeared you know yeah. and uh, but, but they kept on going and uh, i just remember that because it was oh, a, my one goodness. of those rare occasions when something like that happened. But anyway, that was great for them.
0: So I remember, I, I don't know if it was St. Louis. It was one of the one of the towns when Bev was singing and you were accompanying him. Mm-hmm. And we all know, those of you who have heard Bev, he had a cannon for a voice. It was ah. really powerful. But one of the things I remember is just, did he lead you or did you try to lead him? Because I remember it was kind of like a little bit, you know,
1: um, I don't remember exactly, yeah. uh, he, he, uh, he, always, you know, he, he, didn't always tell us, uh, what he was going to do yeah. song wise. And so, so as he was going up on the platform, he would flash a sign to us
0: no way. as to
1: what, what key he was going to be in, you okay. know, like three flats or two sharps or whatever. And we just, a uh, keyboard player would just give a, a neutral introduction Yeah. Not knowing for sure what the song was going to be until he started singing.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: So it was kind of like that sometimes because he could sometimes change his mind. He maybe originally told us he was going to do this or that (laughs) song. And then when it came to the time, he decided not to do it, decided to do something else. And so um, that was how he used to communicate with us and just let us know that. The key as he was going up there on the platform, and uh, we would play an introduction that was in that key, but didn't su- n- no melody with it, you know, to know what song it is because <laughs> we don't know what he's going to sing. <laughs> oh so, my
0: goodness! Imagine that's crazy.
1: Yeah, it was it was kind of wild. And the other thing about Bev was he he really um, he never he we sang uh, some songs quite often, you know, mm-hmm. that were the same. But he didn't. I don't. ever remember him doing it ever twice the same way. Yeah. And so he could never quite anticipate his <laughs> phrasing. He would. He would do it. Do it differently. You know.
0: Yeah. That's so as an
1: as an accomplice. You just have to really. You know, to pay a very close attention. Otherwise, you're going to get ahead of him or get behind him. One or the other.
0: Yeah, that, I think <laughs> that's the thing that I picked up on. Is like he. He kind of was an artist with the way he delivered the, sure. the interpretation, different nights of the same song. So, yeah, yeah. You guys yeah. were basically coming around what he was feeling. And, yeah, yeah. you know, it was very yeah. kind of fluid.
1: Yeah, you had to, you just had to keep the economist simple so you didn't try to be too elaborate because he might possibly uh, yeah. keep on moving when you, you'd still got a, a cadence to go, you know?
0: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. Yeah. What about Cliff? I know you guys spent a lot of years together. Do you have any stories or kind of fun moments behind the scenes that come to mind? Well
1: yeah, I think you know it was it was cliff was 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 my boss really yeah. through all the years that I worked for the association and he was uh, in every way a wonderful boss I mean yeah. he was a great guy to work for, and he was extremely he treated us uh with respect and with a great deal you know, and I felt like he was. You know I mean I looked up to him, mm-hmm. but he was always extremely nice to, to those of us who played for him and uh, so I, I think you know um, again, we had just so many experiences uh, sang, uh, we sang we, he wrote a number of songs um, himself that I actually arranged for oh, him. Wow. And did things you know for the choir and stuff like that that we used to sing at the end of the services very often and uh, so that was special too and he would go you know when when he lived we both of us lived in Atlanta for a while. Um, he was uh living up on the north side because I was in Stone Mountain, and he right. would call me up to the house and and uh, i 'd play over these songs for him and and uh that he had written, you know, he, and he he uh, he let me arrange them for him, and mm-hmm. and so those those are great things that we got to do together. Yeah. But he again, he was uh, he was a, a uh, Cliff was just a super guy to work for, mm-hmm. and as I say, he was he was a great blessing to me, and a, and a really a great friend to our whole family. Actually, you he, he, um, he you know he got we, the kids all got to come to some of the meetings, and yeah. he would greet them. He'd be very nice to them, and you know it was it was really. Very special relationship.
0: Wow! So, when you guys were traveling, you know, different cities around the world, was there kind of an order of? Did you guys have meetings with Billy at the site, or did he just usually come in? Um, you know, the day of. It was well, time no to...
1: he 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 would he would come ahead of time, and we would have a meeting with him. Yeah. Um, before the meetings ever got started, and then we would have a daily prayer meeting time together with the team members Mm. Billy was not usually at that usually cliff again was running that but but before that we would have a meeting with billy and uh and everybody and and then daily we part of the routine would be that we would all get together in the mornings and and uh would have prayer together and then for those of us who were on the program we'd have an extra meeting after that to go over what was going to go on that that night in the stadium you know and all that sort of stuff so that's how it all, you know, how it kind of folded out.
0: Golly. Well, it's beautiful times, and uh, God did so much um, with you guys through the years. I, I, did you not, didn't you play piano at his memorial?
1: I did play for his funeral. I yes, sure did. did, yes. Yes, I did. What yeah. was, I mean. And that was an experience in itself, uh, <laughs> just physically. Uh, the meeting was in a tent. Uh, the funeral was in a tent on the yeah. grounds of the Billy Graham office right. there in Charlotte. But the tent, of course, had a roof, obviously, but they, there were no sides to it, and it was a windy day, oh. and so the wind was blowing. It was it was cold in there, and the wind was blowing, oh, and um, I had gotten a list. told I was told I had to play for forty five minutes before the service began. Yes. So I'd made a list, you know, of tunes I was going to play, <laughs> oh, no. but. I couldn't put the list on the piano because the wind would have blown it away, and um, so I I got up there. I thought, well, I'm going to have to just remember as many as I can and just keep oh, going. Wow! And, and as I say, it was cold, so it was hard to play because it's hard to play when it, when it's cold outside. You know, your your fingers yeah. just, uh, don't move as quite as same. <laughs> so that was a pretty it was kind of a, a wild thing. Um, But I I must tell you one thing about Billy himself that that was really quite wonderful to me. Um, When we were in Scotland uh, for the Crusades over there, I think it was in 1991, um, and we were in Glasgow and Edinburgh and Aberdeen, and my daughter Margaret had just graduated from college. Mm. And I said, look, I said, why don't you... Uh, for kind of a, a graduation gift, I'll, I'll have you come over to Scotland and that you'll come to the meetings and everything. And so she came over for the meetings in Scotland at, sort of after her graduation. Yeah. And uh, one day I got a phone call and it was Cliff and he said, um, Billy wants to have lunch with you. Oh. And I said, "Oh, well, uh, that's wonderful." I said, "But you know, I, I have Margaret, my daughter, is here with me." Oh, he said, "Bring her along. Billy'd like to meet her." Oh man! So I said, "Well, okay." <laughs> so we went to lunch, Margaret and I, along oh. with Cliff and Bev, and 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 with Billy, we were in a restaurant, but it was a it, the restaurant was closed actually. We just had a, it was a private room. Yeah. And uh, and he. Uh, I mean, I, uh, for one thing, I wouldn't normally be having meals with Billy. That didn't happen very often. Right. Um, and, and then for me to invite Margaret to come as well was really sweet. And she asked him a lot of questions and he talked to her and it was really wonderful. Oh. And, and, uh, he helped her to get a, scho- a scholarship actually at uh, Gordon-Carnwell Seminary. Wow. So. Uh, It was really quite amazing. And I told her, I said, you know, I said, if I had wanted to, I could not have arranged that. I said, you know, I would never ask him to, you know, spend time with me at a luncheon or something. I said, I would never do that. You've got far more important people than me to talk to. But it was (laughs) his invitation. And uh, he was so sweet about that. And I I just, I I really appreciated that because, you know, as I say, he's got a lot of very important people he could be with. But he he chose that time to be with us. So that was very sweet.
0: Kind of reminds me of someone we follow, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, it's you're right. Sees, um, sees everyone, and you know, I, I, from the stories I've heard about Billy, he was that kind of guy. So that's an incredible yeah, story.
1: Yeah, yeah. He really, he really was. He was, he was very down to earth and extremely, you know. Mm. He, he was just very, very. I, again, I couldn't have ever have wished for a better person yeah. uh, to, to be with. Absolutely.
0: Wow. John, how have you seen music? We're, we're on, you know, we've got worship leaders and church musicians that listen to this. And yeah. how have you seen things change, you know, in your lifetime well, just changed, over the years?
1: Yeah, they changed a lot. Uh, I think one of the things is that um, so much uh, of contemporary church music the, the tends to be um, where the congregation is kind of watching what's going on on the platform. You know what I mean? You've right. got a worship team and maybe a band or whatever. And, and so there's not a quite as much participation. I mean, they're participating in a way yeah. but often they don't sing as much as they used to. Yeah. It seems to me, that's been one of the changes. I, I do think it's great if there's something that they can actually can sing, mm-hmm. you know, and really get into Then I think yeah. that's really great. Um, a couple of I have to tell you honestly myself, I've been to services where you know words came up on the screen and all that, but I didn't have to know the song, yeah, and so what are you gonna do you know yeah. so you know you <laughs> clap along or whatever you know you know but you but you can't easily participate, yeah. so I just think sometimes um that's the only thing that I wish there were more uh congregational participation in that sense in singing yeah. because I think it, you know it's a it's a a wonderful thing to worship together and yeah. to sing together you know as part of worship so but yeah you know on the other hand you know music is it, it's it's great that it has moved on I mean I think it's very important to keep yeah uh, content, you know culturally relevant and all mm-hmm. I mean every one of us has to say how relevant can I be you know at this point yeah so yeah I, I I'm glad that it has moved on and we see a lot of you know some great great things happening there been some, and there have been some great songs written mm-hmm. you know in, in in these days too so you know it's, it''s it's been it's always a wonderful thing to see how God keeps on working through music. I always believe God is the one who gave us the gift of music yes. and so if we can give it back to him in worship and praise, you know then that that's that's something fulfilling,
0: yeah. That's so good, John. Well, I know you've been part of many meetings and in, in the rooms over the years where people are singing really loud. And it's it's funny, it's one of the things that some friends of mine and I talk about just with worship leading. I think mm-hmm. there's been there's been so much access to new music over the right. past couple of decades that it's almost, sometimes we move faster than people. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sure. it can be a good thing to remember that people do like to sing and known as good and you know slowing things right. down a little bit with how much new we keep putting in the in the batch of songs we're doing is so helpful for the people but it's a this a powerful sure. thing for souls to voice you know it is sound. yeah
1: absolutely absolutely and as I, I as i say there's been a lot of great you know there've been some great contemporary writers who've done some wonderful mm-hmm. things uh, obviously michael Smith and and uh, but people like Keith Getty, you know, people like yeah. that come up with some you know some great music and and good lyrics. I yes, think you know, it's just very important to have uh the lyrics need to be substantive and if if possible scriptural.
0: <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey, I just want to thank you uh for a lot of people. I think um you know, for those listening that knew who John was from years of Billy Graham to those of you who didn't, you've been a man that's just been faithful to the gospel and using the gift of music, God's gifts through you, in a in a real behind the scenes way for so many years, just year after year, na- literally nations all over the world, John. It's crazy.
1: Well. I- I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the opportunities that God graciously gave to me. I would never have anticipated, you know, what actually happened. And, and uh, you know, you 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 say to yourself, "Why me, Lord? You, yeah. you know me too well. Put me in that kind of position." But, yeah, God has been very gracious, and I'm I'm so grateful for the opportunities. And grateful for the gift of music that He gave to me. I, I always tell people, uh, it, it is God's gift. Yeah. That if it's if it's inspired you even a moment that came from the Holy Spirit, not from me. You know, that that's God's gift.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. And just uh, thank you for being part of my life. All those years that were pivotal for me, just, you know, being formed by music and what God can do through all of us as musicians for his kingdom and for his church.
1: Well, I'm, I'm grateful for the friendship, Todd, and it's a, a wonderful. I always enjoy getting to know you all those years ago, and, and so glad the way God's used you over these years, too. That's just wonderful.
0: Well, it's been an honor for both of us, brother, and uh, we just so appreciate you. Many more good years with your family, and, and uh, keep playing music for him.
1: Yeah, thanks, Todd. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Worship Circle Podcast. As always, we want to remind you that you are loved, that you are not alone. And when you lead, when you walk with Jesus, we stand with you as an army of worship leaders that's growing around the world to bring hope to people who need hope and healing to people who need healing. We hope you join us next time. And until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at, at @worshipcircle. And share this podcast and the information about it with any leader you know so that they can become part of this growing tribe of leaders on the earth.